Yo, yo, yo. What is up, guys? It is Cody Wen with the Faith Growth Podcast with my oh-so-wonderful co-host, Matthew. Oh, you're too kind, Cody. You know what? Can I can I make a confession real quick? Sure. I was talking to somebody. Oh, I was talking to Hunter the other day, and I was like, you know what? I was like, or he told me that he found you on Facebook, and I was like, oh, I was like, Matthew, I said, do you remember what his last name was that you saw? And he's like, no, I don't remember. And I was like, I forget his last name. I, I totally forgot your last name for a second. And I was like, oh, wait, no, it's Taylor. It's Taylor. It's So we're good. So that was, that was I don't know. I told you all that, but yeah. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I was like, where is the rele- relevancy in that? Yeah. Oh, that's a word. But. Well, I was going to say your last name just now, and I forgot it. So again, um, that's okay. What's up, guys? <laughs> yeah, anyway. It's, it's Cody, uh, Faith Growth Podcast. And today we are going over the series still of demonic church teachings. And the topic of this day will be on prosperity, specifically the prosperity gospel, Mm. which is this belief that I believe is one of the most damning beliefs in all of church history. Um, There are very few beliefs in Christendom that make me angrier than this one with a righteous indignation. And just belief that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, <laughs> that his desire for you is to be in good health and to have a lot of money. And if you're not, then you're really actually living in sin. And that's the only reason you could ever not be healthy, wealthy, and People wise. People actually think that. Dead serious, yeah. That's a very is common there, Is there particular domin- denominations? There is. Yeah, generally people who are... Generally the only people who believe that are charismatics. Now to clarify... Not all charismatics believe that, but if anyone believes it, they would be in the charismatic slash Pentecostal circles. Okay. They would be the ones, if anybody, to believe that. They're the ones who believe, um, generally the same people who believe the name it and claim it gospel, um, the speak it into existence gospel, all of these things. Those are the kinds of people who are going to generally believe this. I don't, I've never in my life met somebody who has reformed doctrine who believes something like this. Really, anyone who's not charismatic, I've never heard believe this belief system but it's still out there it's still out there oh oh tons i mean i mean some of the oh. well so the biggest people that you guys are going to generally see or be familiar with are people who are televangelists so the people who are on tv those are almost always the ones who get pinned as the prosperity gospel teachers um i'm wrestling back and forth whether i should drop any names so that you understand who i'm referring yeah. to um We've, yeah. but uh yeah so there's there's plenty of them they're televangelists if you see them on tv there's a relatively good chance that there are a, a prosperity gospel teacher. Well, Not always, but there's a pretty good chance. When was the first time you heard about this? this oh, I mean, they've been around for ages. Ever since 1970s is when it's been very popular because people found out that they can make money off the gospel by saying, um, the, the, one of the frustrations with it is that people say, these pastors will say, hey, if you just give your money to our ministry, then God's going to heal you from the cancer that you have. You just need to sow this money in faith and God's going to give you freedom from that cancer. Or, hey, oh, oh, you guys are in debt right now? If, if you will, in faith, sow $1,000 into our ministry right now, God wants, God wants to free you from the poverty that you're in. And he's going, he's going, to, he's going to return that back to you tenfold. Well, okay, so, so I'm, if you guys don't know, I'm a business owner. I own my own business. So I'm very analytically minded and, and, and I'm big in math and stuff. Um, so like business math specifically. And if I knew that that was the case, then that means if my math is correct, for every $1,000 I give, I'm going to get $10,000 back. 
Okay, so I've been I've been yeah. I've been in the business world for a while now, mm-hmm. and I've been in there long enough to know that if I can give a thousand dollars and get a guaranteed ten times return on you investment, do that, bro. I am giving my bank account to Mister Fill in the Blanks Ministry tomorrow, yeah. and I'm going to be making bank for life. Because guess what? When I get my million dollars back, guess what I'm doing? I'm putting a million dollars into his Thank ministry. You. I'm getting ten million back. Guess what I'm doing? Putting ten million dollars into his ministry. Guess what I'm getting back? You see I the point? That church, is that yeah, you? exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get your pen and that out. <laughs> so, like, if that was true, then uh, you would be. I, well, I'll put it this way: you're an idiot if you don't give money to a ministry like that. If you believe this, if you believe this prosperity gospel and you don't give every penny to it, then you're an idiot. Because, dude, just told you you got a 10x return on investment. Like, bro, like you can't get the, you can't get close to that in the stock market. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you could get lucky, whatever. But you get my point: is like to actually get those kinds of results, like. <laughs> You kidding me? Dude, forget my business. I'm going out of business tomorrow. I'm just taking all the money I got in my bank account and I'm throwing it into the prosperity bank account. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, so with that being said, I, I say that um, a little harshly, but I, I want to specify that there's many people who genuinely don't know that this is actually not a correct gospel. So, to be clear, there's, there's people who really don't know that. And that's why we're making this in the first place. Also, to warn you against false teachers who you hear in the future maybe who do preach these kinds of things so i'm not here again to bash any person i'm still wrestling on whether i should mention some names so that you understand context of who i'm speaking about because i want you to understand um, what this is like but i'm not here to just go and name bash people i'm here to to um really really jump at specific poor belief systems that's really what my frustration is here not with people on my words against not flesh and blood but against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places so First place I want to go, guys, is the definition of the word prosperity. I mean, I, I think that, that if I just go here, we can just do a mic drop right here and just finish it all. <laughs> um, oh, we're not going to because I want to prove my point yeah, uh, indefinitely. But So this is the definition in the Bible in its original language to the word prosperity. To be prudent, wisely understand, or to prosper. To look upon, to have insight, to give attention to, to consider, to ponder, to be prudent. Prudent means wise, by the way. To have insight, to have comprehension, insight, comprehension. Nothing about money. Not once did I mention <laughs> money there, if you notice. So do you see the, the, the really, really obvious issue here, first off? Now, a lot of people will go to Old Testament passages where it tells people, well... If you live wise and if you obey God, then he's going to give you more cattle. He's going to do fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, which are monetary blessings that he was going to give. Mm -hmm. I am not refuting whether those happened. Of course, I believe those happened, but they happened for specific people for a specific reason. And specifically the family of Abraham, the Abrahamic family, like, like, like Israel that happened for. Okay, I'm not Israel as an Israelite. I'm not I'm not Jewish in any means. So nope. that has nothing to do with me anyways first off. Nope. Second off, we live under a new covenant where those rules don't apply to us anyways. Yeah. And with that being said, again, I, I yeah, I'm not going to go into what I was just about to go into cuz I'm going to get attacked again. But um next place I want to go is to the New Testament because everyone always gives this argument of, "Oh, well that was Old Testament, give us New Testament." Okay, great. Let me give you some New Testament. First off, that definition was just the definition of prosperity, so it doesn't mm-hmm. change anything. But we're just going to use a little logic and common sense here for a sec. If this concept of you living more obediently and you giving more money 
is in direct correlation to the amount of money God's going to give you back and prosperity in regards to health and stuff like that. Then, of course, who is going to be the perfect example for us to follow? Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus is a perfect example. He is our perfect example. We're supposed to be imitators of Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In this life that I now live by the flesh, I live by faith in God. We are supposed to live as Jesus, as our example. Great. So Jesus must have been the absolute worst giver ever because dude wasn't rich. No. Matter of fact, dude was homeless, jobless, died a martyr's death. He wasn't rich in what we would think as rich today. Correct. Monetarily was not rich. Then he had 12 disciples. 11 of the 12 disciples. Martyred. Homeless. Jobless. Early church. Many of them martyred. Homeless. How do I know that? Well, read Acts 2 and Acts 4. It clarifies that they gave, literally sold their possessions, their houses and their possessions, gave them to the poor. So, matter of fact, all of these people are poor. Yeah. Literally all of the examples that we have are poor. Follow Jesus, you gotta be poor. Yeah, well, no, no, no. You don't have to be. Yeah, you don't have to be financially poor. You have to no, be I'm, spiritually poor. I meant. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I didn't mean like in today's time. I meant like for the apostles, they had to like. Right. They they, they, they were asked to give those things up specifically. Yeah. If we go to Matthew yeah, sure, um, 19, we see the rich young ruler story, where Jesus tells him to give up all of his possessions and give them to the poor told him to to give up all of his possessions or he couldn't be a servant of Christ. So there's another great example of how money was told to be given. Nicodemus, another great example, money, give it away. Now let's go a little further in scripture in regards to uh, verses on money. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. First Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Proverbs, <clears throat> or excuse me, Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What exactly would so to serve? You can't. Uh, you can't have both of them as Lord over your life. Luke twelve fifteen, and he said to them, "Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of abundance of his possessions." Matthew six nineteen through twenty one. Do not lay up your treasures on earth, where moth and rust can destroy, and thieves can come in and steal. But store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and thieves cannot come in and steal. Just specifically says to not store up your treasures on earth for this reason. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. As for the rich of this present age, charge um, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on, uncertain, on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides for all of them and everything that they will enjoy. When Paul is in um, prison and... Philippians 4, excuse me. He says, I've had little and I've had prosperity, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is giving thanksgiving to God in the midst of him being in chains. Not rich, not having some. No, he was not having. 
you know. Yeah, he was not having all of this lovely stuff that we would expect him to have. And he said, I have all things that I would ever need in change. Because why? Because the gospel was being preached. And before he was in jail, wasn't he living a lavish Oh my gosh! Yeah, he yeah. was he was top line. I mean, he he was making bank back and, then. Yeah, with that, he wasn't living in accordance with God. No, and then, <clears throat> yeah, and then I I also want to clarify that that the the point isn't that God doesn't want us to prosper. He does want us to mm-hmm. prosper. God radically wants you to prosper. The problem is is that people's understanding of prosper is wrong. People think that prosper is in reference to money. It's not in reference to money. It's in reference to wisdom. It's in reference to your spiritual prosperity, not your monetary prosperity. But money can come. Mo- yeah, money yeah. can come. And yet, I, we're going to kind of finish with um, talking about that a little bit. Um, another place I want to go is um, Matthew 13, where it talks about the parable of the sower and seed. One of the only four things that are mentioned that will take you, or three things, excuse me, that are mentioned that will take you away from God is the wealth, uh, the wealth and the deceitfulness of the world. Jesus is warning you against hearing the gospel and letting the, the, the wealth of this world keep you away from Jesus. Doesn't it say it's easier for a camel to go through a... Yeah, it's easier for a rich man to go through, or it's, it's impossible for a rich man to go into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. And then Peter responds, then how is it possible that anybody could get to heaven? And Jesus' response is, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. So he's again warning against prosperity there. Now we're going to go to 2 Timothy 3. It's talking about in the end of times. It says, but realize in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of money, this is how you will know that it is the end times. And it's talking about the sinfulness that is happening during the end times. It says, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, uh, holding a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Avoid such men as these. Lovers of money is one of the things that is mentioned in this li- this list of things that will let you know that the end times are coming. That's very scary to know that this concept of loving money is one of the things that will keep you from God one day. Yes, a lot of people deal with that problem today. A lot of people deal with that problem today. And here's another big thing I want to harp on with all this. When I'm saying this, a lot of you listening are going, you know, I'm in high school or college. I couldn't be more broke, you know, uh, which, you know, I feel it. I've been there. Um, and you're going, hey, you know, I've I've never been rich, so I don't have to worry about anything. If you make $2 or more a day, you are considered in the top 1% of human beings living on this earth. That's crazy. That's how rich you are. So when Jesus said it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, he is not talking about Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. He's talking about you and I. You and I who have the wealth of this world that can keep us off of having our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. should be very concerning to us that it is very easy for us to let the wealth of this world keep us from God. And the scariest part of all that to me is the fact that many, many of you listening are in, just got out of college, or about to be in college. 
and your desire is to find God's calling for your life, and when you say that you're thinking, what is the nine to five job God has prepared for me for all eternities? Here's the issue. First off, God never mentions you having a nine to five job ever in the gospels. (laughs) It's not that you're not allowed to have one. The point is, is that that's not what matters. And this is what you're fixing the whole next half a decade of your life, if not more on, is on what this nine to five job is going to be for you to do what? Make a lot of money a lot of times so that you can have a lot, a lot of cool stuff. The white picket fence, again, I'm not speaking to all of you, but have the white picket fence, live that luxury lifestyle, be able to have that dream house, dream car, dream family, hot wife, hot husband. For what profit is it if a man gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Matthew 16, 26. Forever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You would hate to have all the stuff of this world one day and then stand before God and he scratches his head going, I wanted your heart, not your stuff. Mm. And I fear that many people in America are so focused on this nine to five job, so focused on the house that they chose for themselves with the car they chose for themselves with the wife they wanted for themselves and living in the place they wanted for themselves and not even considering God in any of that. I used to be like that. Right? I used to be like that. I just want to make bank and have this and Mm -hmm. that. Right? But God has called us to a higher, higher, much higher standard. And this much higher standard looks like us denying ourselves and picking up our cross daily. Us living our lives for him, not ourselves. My life is not my own. It's been bought with a price, right? For I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 I am commanded to live for his glory not my own. That means you having this desire to get all rich and get whatever you want and whatever is not in accordance to the word of God if it's coming from the wrong place. Which leads us to the last part. Is it a sin to make money? Is it a sin to have money? Is it a sin to have a bank account? No, absolutely not. None of those things are a sin. It's not a sin to make money. You're not any more like Jesus if you make a dollar a year or a million a year. Neither of those things make you any more or less like Jesus. What makes you more or less like Jesus is if he, he has your whole heart. He has your whole checkbook. Well, finances. You know, people don't really use checkbooks anymore, especially the people who are listening to this. Um, if Does God have your money or, or, or do you have your money? Because here's the deal. God has given everything that we have in this life on loan to us. We are called to be good stewards of God's stuff that he has given us. That house that you have, that wife that you have, those kids that you have, that car that you have, that job that you have, that time that you have, that bank account that you have, all of them belong to God. Not 10%. I want to say that again. Not 10%. 100% of all of that is God's. He has asked for all of that to be his. And God has given it to you. It's yes. Not I did this, not I earned Exactly. And he can take it away mm-hmm. just as quick as he gave That's it to scary. you. That's scary. Uh-huh. And I don't say that as a scare tactic per se, but understand that we should live in this serious reverence for God because he's the one that gave you all those things <coughs> and you should respect him and be thankful for those things because he gave his life for you. Mm-hmm. The least you can do is give your money for him. Yeah. Right? So that's why when God asks me to give, to do whatever I do with my money, that it is all in his hands. It's all his. If he says give a dollar out of your bank account tomorrow, it's going out of my bank account in two seconds. If he says give a million tomorrow, it's going out of my bank account in two seconds. Oh, so no, I don't have a million dollars in my like, bank oh, account. I Cody, so no. we have some real discussions. <laughs> I'm just it. trying to prove a point. <laughs> I don't have a million dollars in my bank account. 
No, uh, I guess I haven't given enough to the ministry down the street. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. So, yes. Question is, should we give to ministries? Should we give our monies to people in general? 100% you're commissioned to. You're commanded to give. We're supposed to be cheerful givers. We're supposed to... um, Scripture tells us in the Sermon on the Mount where your heart is, or where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So we're commanded to give of our stuff, of our money, of our time, of our heart, of our everything. But understand... That you giving isn't for the purpose of you getting something in return. Because again, if you're giving for that purpose, you're not giving for them. You're giving for you. That's selfish. God doesn't honor that. God honors you sacrificing because you love him that much. Regardless of whether that's giving to a ministry or your church or wherever, it doesn't matter. We should be cheerful givers because God has given to us. God's character is a giver. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave our character is supposed to be imitators of God, as it says in Colossians. How do we do that? One of the things we do is give. We're supposed to give of our money, but we don't do it for something in return. You will receive something in return for your giving one day. You'll just receive it in heaven. So does that mean that God can't monetarily bless us in this earth? Of course, that's not what that means. Anything and everything that you own today is a monetary blessing from God. Again, whether that's you driving a, a, a little rad shack car or whether that's you driving a Bentley, they're both <laughs> blessings from God because they're a car that he has given you. It doesn't matter. Anything and everything that you have are blessings from God. I have had people monetarily bless me and I'm thankful because God did that. That was through a man, but God was doing it for me. I've also gone plenty of times in my life without those things and God was equally as much blessing me through those times. I just didn't have as much money during those times. None of that has to do with the goodness of God or the, you know, God loves me more during this time or God's more honoring or respect. No, 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 no. Remember, it's not the system that we're trying to figure out. And if I give this much, God is going to bless me. No, 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 no. Your heart's wrong if you're in that mindset. So no prosperity gospel. No amount of giving will ever save you. No amount of giving will make you healthy or wealthy. None of that is the case. Scripture tells us rain falls on the just and the unjust. You're going to get sick just like everybody else. There has, there's no bullcrap doctrine of if you yeah. pray hard enough or you're holy enough, God's not going to make you sick. You're going to get sick like everybody else and die one day. 10 out of 10 people die. If you weren't, if, 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 if that was the case, then that means that, that no one would die. If you're saying, oh, well, I'm super holy and I'm never get sick. Great. Then you're never going to die then because yeah. death is a sickness. Yeah. It's your body just slowing down. We just don't consider it necessarily a sickness, but it is by definition of what sickness is. It's something that is, is negatively affecting your body, right? So like death is negatively affecting your body considering it's stopping your body from working the right way. So if you had perfect health, then your heart would be beating perfectly fine. It would never stop beating. Everyone's going to die. And that's okay because you get to live in a better life after that. So Amen. all of those things are very, very silly. Understand that. Understand that if you have believed that, that you're not condemned into God doesn't hate you or anything. He just wants you to believe the real gospel, which is for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of your own works, lest any man should boast, but it's a free gift of God unto salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So we're giving our lives to that gospel. Nothing else can save you outside of those things. With that being said, that is all for this one. If you have yet to do so, smash that subscribe button. If you haven't already, it means the world to us. Leave us a kind comment if you are enjoying the stuff that we're doing. If you hate it, um, then I would rather you not share that. But I mean, yeah. I guess you can share Leave that. Leave the best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. You can let us know if we suck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be mean the world to us. I am Cody Wynn and my boy Matthew with me. Thank you all so much for listening. And we will see you next time on Demonic Church Teachings.